It's time for JT the Brick. The years are ticking off, JT. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You know, you got to show up. you got to play at the highest level. You're not going to win in this league. JT the Brick. Hey, Raider Nation, let that sink in. Since 2018, he has 25 interceptions. Raider fans go crazy around here when a guy gets two for the entire season. Anytime, JT, and uh, hi to all my uh, Raider fans out there. And go Raiders. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, the official flagship of the Silver and Black, thanks to M Resort Spawn Casino. I was there on Friday night with their premium members, hosted a chalk talk with our good friends, Darren McFadden and Jacoby Ford, which was a lot of fun. They were two of the many alumni that were in town here all week. If you got a chance to go to the draft, if you were in the enormous crowd that was out there, if you were out on the strip, today we're spending most of the time just talking about the process of the party, how Vegas pulled it off. I'll be with Dave Ziegler tomorrow at the facility over in Henderson, and we'll do a much deeper dive on some of the players that were selected there and the the processes they keep talking about, which most Raider fans seem really happy about. Most Raider fans feel really comfortable in this new process, and that's not a knock on John Gruden and Mike Mack. It's just different. You knew when these two gentlemen decided to come here, it was going to be the Patriot way and their experience with Belichick. And all that great experience they had with championship teams coming to Vegas and bringing that process here. And this was the first example of that. And one of the things I want to talk to Dave in depth about tomorrow is evaluating the current players who are left. That's really the elephant in the room. Because not that that every player has to play on a one-year prove-it deal or play for a discount in a contract extension. But they're going to bring in their guys. And everybody needs to handle that. That's a business. That's the business side of the NFL. There's a lot of turnover from the scouts, the coaches. They've had a lot to do. And these are guys with young kids who had to leave the families back home in that New England area and work all these crazy hours and build, buy houses or stay in hotels and do all this. I think everybody's accustomed to understanding the process they've been going through off the field as they get their lives settled here in southern Nevada, which is a big deal. All right, Harry Ruiz, kind enough to join us, the Latino voice of the Silver and Black, who I saw all over town. He calls me Juan, which he should. And, Harry, great to see you. I'm sure you recovered. You put a lot of steps in from what I noticed. Mi hermano Juan, buenas tardes. Thank you, JT, for having me on. Yeah, on Thursday, Friday, Thursday and Friday, I had 12,000 steps each day just walking all around town, so... It was it was a busy day, but it was fun. It was I'm gonna I'm telling everybody this is not the only draft that Vegas will host, but this will be the first, and we had to enjoy it as the first time that we hosted this great event in Vegas. And I thought it was a total success, JT. I was at the Raider party on Thursday, jumped over to the ESPN party a little bit later, and then Friday I was at the draft. It was incredible. I can't wait for it to come back to Vegas. What was it like, the interaction with the fans? A lot of them from out of town. You were interacting with the fans from Mexico on top of all the fans that came in from around the country. What was their general reaction to doing this in Vegas, the weather, the stage, the Bellagio fountains, and especially the footprint behind the link? What did they think about it? 
they were speaking wonders about our city. They couldn't wait to come back either to watch their teams play out here in Vegas or for the next big NFL event that we're going to have, the Super Bowl, in a little bit under two years out here in Las Vegas. They enjoyed the restaurants, the sightseeing, everything. It's a 24-hour town out here in Las Vegas. You go elsewhere and you get cut off at 2 in the morning or 4 at the latest. Out here, if you want to have a 24-hour day, nobody's going to stop you. And, and I know some people that didn't stop the whole weekend and they just partied, 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 and that's what our city's all about, having a good time. And what a better way than having it with the Raider Nation, with football fans out here in Vegas. There was some trash talking out there, but all in, in the fun, in fun and games out there and at the NFL fan experience, at the NFL draft stage. The concerts, I was there for Ice Cube. It was amazing. I saw little kids. I saw younger kids. I saw grown-ups. I saw older folks. Everybody was having a blast. Well, the Raiders ended up picking at number 90, and I was at the M Resort event there, and the Raiders were on the clock, I believe, at 86, and they moved back, and they didn't move back far. And I, I kind of understood the pick and what they were going to do right before the pick. They must have thought that Dylan Parham would be there because another team wasn't going to jump in front of him and take him at 88 or 89. So to move back just a little bit and get the player they wanted, a versatile guard who could play center in a pinch, and that's really what this team's needed over the last couple of years because of the inability of these offensive linemen up front to stay healthy from Richie Incognito to moving Leatherwood inside from outside and the problems that they had. Let's go through that first pick that the Raiders got the uh, guard out of Memphis. Absolutely. You got versatility in this guy that ended up playing in Memphis a total of 51 games, three different positions, 28 games left guard, 12 games as a right guard, 11 games as a right tackle. And a lot of experts in the league say that his best fit in the league is going to be a center. But that just shows you you can move him all around the line and he's going to he has been able to produce just last year. He had 545 pass plays in Memphis and didn't allow a single sack. I know it's going to be a rough welcoming in the, in the league, especially in the AFC West where you have great pa- uh, pass rushers in this division, but you see this guy can adapt to change and he's going to be able to do it all for this offensive line. We talked about it during the show on Friday, uh, on Thursday, sorry, out there at Caesars, JT. In my opinion, offensive line was going to be the first thing the Raiders would cross off the board early in, the, in their draft, pick number 90, and it ended up happening with Dylan Parham, and the Raiders did a great job. They started off the draft with two picks in the first 126, and after having a total of four trades, they ended up having three picks in the first 126 uh, picks in this draft. So Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels and the whole front office, they did a great job working the phones, and they picked up the guy that they wanted despite them trading down four picks in that third round. Harry Ruiz, the Spanish voice of the silver and black. Ed Graney wrote a cover story on Zamir White, and a portion of it I want everybody else to be able to read it. The background when... Uh, Zamir's uh, mother was six months pregnant. White weighed just one pound. Doctors advised her to terminate the pregnancy. Her grandmother had a different opinion. There would be no such conclusion. His backstory is incredible, but we remember Josh Jacobs' backstory living in his car and the way he made all the progressions and turned out to be a superstar. Harry, I'm going to talk to Dave Ziegler tomorrow, but I'm just surprised they went running back. But this is a hell of a running back in Georgia because his touches 
were, of course, behind elite players, and he had an elite defense that got the ball back to him to get more touches here. I just like he came from a program that won a national championship, and he played a big part in getting that chip. Yeah, and I was going to say, there's no quit in this guy just going off of the injuries he had in high school and early in his college career, but that grainy story opened up my eyes even more, and it was like, since he was born, he's been the underdog. He's been fighting. He's been doing great as a football player now. He was a leading rusher for Georgia the last two seasons. He seasons he still needs to improve a little bit more as a receiver and as a blocker, but he didn't have that much of an opportunity in Georgia because they switched a lot in the backfield, but that's the college way, and guess what? That's now the Raider way as well with the running back by committee. He will get touches. He will make the team, and something, JT, that a lot of people aren't talking about is that, yeah, it surprised us that the Raiders picked the running back with their second pick in this draft, the first one in the fourth round. They traded up for him. Mm -hmm. They wanted Zamir White. They didn't want to risk anybody else taking him, and they have a plan for him. And you also got to look at what happened this weekend. We found out that the Raiders didn't pick up the options of any of the 2019 first-round picks. That means that for Josh Jacobs, it's a prove-it year. For Kenyon Drake, his last season under contract as well, they need to prove it. But also for Zamir White, it might be the opportunity, hey, if you show out, this year, that starting gig might be yours if you keep doing a good job out here. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, I'm a Josh Jacobs guy. We all are. The last four games of the year, he's a hell of a player. But you don't take Zamir White that high in the draft from that type of school with that type of production and his size. I mean, this guy is a beast. You don't take him unless you're planning on playing him in some type of rotation. Harry Ruiz is our guest. Then, for me, my favorite part of the draft, and I don't know much about him. I saw the bios and the video when they were picked, but Neil Farrell Jr. out of LSU at 126, and then Matthew Butler, the tackle from Tennessee. The video of Butler was pretty insane when I saw it and how he was so explosive and his footwork there. Those could have been two more offensive linemen. They decided to go defensive line, defensive tackle. What does that tell you about the process and those selections? And the, you know that when it comes down to the day three draft picks, there are holes in their games, but there is future promise in them that you're looking at tape and you see them that they delivered in the college level, but they, they can still improve in this league. Something that we saw with Max Crosby a couple of years ago, something that we saw with Nate Hobbs, with Hunter Renfro, mm -hmm. that they were raw, but that they could still keep evolving and become great football players. We hope this is what happens with Neil Farrell, another guy that the Raiders traded up to get. He has speed and strength that gives blockers trouble, and that's what you need up in the middle in that defensive line. Same thing with Matthew Butler, a guy that has been praised in the SEC and that I think he can end up being in this first year in his rookie season a rotational guy but in the future he can be a main contributor for this defensive line for the Raiders. Harry Ruiz is our guest the Latino voice of the Silver and Black so as I'm looking at a projected depth chart today the Athletic did a nice job Vic Tafer and his team uh, they got two offensive linemen Munford Jr. out of Ohio State Parham we just talked about I think they're going to get a veteran cut down a high profile veteran player is going to get cut down from another team, I think the Raiders will be able to pounce on that. They're loaded at wide receiver. Loaded. They are loaded at running back. I mean, how, how many more running backs you can have? For me, the only, thing, the only question left on the entire offense 
is adding one more veteran potential starter on the offensive line. The defensive line looks great. Chandler Jones, Mad Max coming off the edge. They bring in defensive tackles with the defensive tackles that they already had in Hankins, so I think they're okay there. The secondary, we'll talk about that. They didn't do a lot with the secondary in the draft. So to me, the question still is linebacker. Were you shocked and surprised that a linebacker wasn't a priority in this draft? I was surprised, JT, but at the end of the day, I like it that they didn't reach, that they didn't see a linebacker while they were on the clock and said, we need to cover this position, we need, we need depth in this position, so let's just take whoever's on the board. They didn't like whoever was left, so they were thinking, okay, we can get a one-year rental off of a, a player that's out there in free agency that has experience in the league and that won't cost us much, and he's going to be able to cover us in, in the spot of, in case of a, an injury for one mm-hmm. of our starters. The Raiders didn't reach something that we know has happened in recent years. And uh, if a rookie, you got him under contract for three to four years, and you hope he evolves to become a great player, a contributor, a starter, or a solid backup. If you're looking for a linebacker, that's not going to be a plug-and-play day one. You can go off of a free agency and get that and hope that next year, when you have all of your seven draft picks, you can end up picking someone that can be the future in the mm-hmm. position. Harry Ruiz joins us, kind enough to join us on Mondays. You'll be hearing him a lot more as we get ready for the Raiders and what they're going to do in the next couple of months. Just a couple of other teams I wanted to mention. The Chargers first pick, and I was shocked by this. They took Zion Johnson, the guard, out of Boston College. And a lot of insiders are giving that just a basic solid grade, A minus or a B. Forget about the rest of the picks there. I, I was just surprised with all the points they give up or the mistakes they end up making on defense. They brought in Khalil Mack. They brought in Mr. Interception in the secondary. And it's another building block for Justin Herbert. That offensive line, they went after big in the draft the last couple of years. They're trying to build the great wall of Los Angeles to slow down the defensive ends in the AFC West. That's a big move by the Chargers, telling everyone the protection of Herbert is essential as he's going to be attacking the Raiders downfield. Absolutely, and they had they did a terrible job last year against the opposing's run, opposing team's running backs, and still they didn't go with that as a priority. They said, we're going to protect Herbert at all costs. He's going to be the face of, of the franchise for years to come. Our best free agency hits are going to be off of signing a tackle for him. Now we're going to draft a guard, and we're going to keep it going just with this offensive line. So we know what the formula is going to be out there in L.A. with the Char- well in Inglewood with the Chargers. And now the offensive side of the Raiders could be like, all right, let's capitalize on it. Let's keep going. Let's hit him hard with rushing. Let's hit him hard with passing and let them uh, keep struggling with that part. Harry, it's my impression that the Raider Nation now, the fans are really up to speed on Dave Ziegler. They get what he's trying to do. I mean, there's going to be a honeymoon period, no doubt about it. He's a new GM. He's worked really well with Josh McDaniels. He's bringing coaches and scouts, so he's building a foundation inside the facility in Henderson, which is real unique. I think Raider fans are okay with this. They knew that Gruden, who I always supported in Mayock, they had the ability where Coach Gruden was going to really be the guy. Whoever Gruden wanted, he was going to get. He had a 10-year contract. We know how that ended. It seems like these two are bringing in this process. I keep hearing that word, process and flexibility. Flexibility 
and process. What's your takeaway with how they worked and presented that in their post game talking about the draft? I love it, JT. I know at first all of Raider Nation was hesitant because of their past with the Patriots, not because we doubt their involvement with the building of a Super Bowl winning franchise, but because everybody in the Raider Nation doesn't like the Patriots. But once they came to Vegas, they donned the silver and black, they became a part of the Raider Nation. It's a clean slate. It's now prove us what you can do. And so far, I'm loving the way that they're building this team. There are still a few pieces that need to be uh, added there for depth in this team. But guess what? June 1st is right around the corner. We know a couple of contracts are coming off the books in that day, and they'll be able to make more moves. They'll be able to add more pieces to this puzzle that's called the Raiders, and they'll be able to make this team a bigger threat. We know that the preseason doesn't start until August, the preseason games, so the Raiders still have time to be able to complement this team in the vision that both Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, two guys that have worked together since they were in college, McDaniels gave Ziegler his first job in the NFL, then they worked together again in New England. These two guys are working as a unit, and that's what the Raiders need, both of them to be in the same state of mind to take this franchise back to where it deserves to be. All right, Harry, finally, one of the biggest shows we do, I'm on right when they, uh, my show ends on May 12th, the second they're about to release the schedule release. So the 13th, we'll get a chance to talk about it in my time slot. But that's one of my favorite shows of the year as we look at, uh, take a chance to look at the schedule and when the dates are absolutely going to be. We know that Amazon Prime game, that first one will be Chargers in Kansas City. I, I, I don't know anything I'm not privy to. What's going to happen? But I know that the Raiders are going to get a big home game. They'll get a Thursday night, a Sunday night, or a Monday night. But you and I are very interested in this away schedule outside Denver, Kansas City, and the Chargers at Jacksonville. And no one did more or had to do more than Jacksonville. So that place is going to be packed and ready to go. They're at the Rams, which is probably their toughest road game of the year. Uh, They're at New Orleans. New Orleans has had a lot of changes. At the Steelers as they have a quarterback controversy already, at the Titans, which is never easy, and then at the Seahawks, which has been a nightmare place to play, but the Seahawks are going backwards here a bit. How excited are you for this road schedule when we get it here in two weeks? Super excited, JT. It wouldn't surprise me, and I'm the same way as you. I don't have any insider information in that. The NFL, they're super sealed. They don't try to leak any info in that, but I got a feeling the Raiders might be Uh, in line for that first game of the season against the Rams in L.A. Can you imagine that? The Rams celebrating their Super Bowl, the Raiders starting a new era with Josh McDaniels, with Devontae Adams on this team. I wouldn't be surprised if week one, the first game of the season, is Raiders against Rams. And it's true also the Seattle side of things. But they got Drew Locke as their quarterback right Mm -hmm. now. The Raiders have owned Drew Locke. So I'm not as scared about that one. But I would love also just looking at the challenge that they'll have at Tennessee, at Pittsburgh, they got they're going with Mitch Trubisky for now. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine that. So the Raiders, I think, for the third year in a row, they can have a solid year on the road. So it's all about taking care of business at home to be able to get to double digit wins and to the postseason for the second consecutive season. Yeah, finally, Harry, I think it's the toughest, and they'll grade it when the schedule comes out. I think it's the toughest home schedule of any team in football because of the division games, which are 
really tough. Arizona, they were the first team to 10 wins last year. The Niners beat Green Bay in the playoffs. The Patriots are coming to town, and we know what the Patriots did also as a playoff team. The Colts, that's going to be a payback game. The Raiders knocked the Colts, pretty much started the process of knocking them out. And the only game on paper that you could say the there's only one game at home on paper that you could be super confident about, which is the Houston Texans. I'm confident they're going to win games at home. Don't get me wrong, but that schedule, a lot of those games are going to be two, two and a half point. Raiders are favorite by not even a field goal. This is a tough home schedule. I think the toughest in football. Yeah, and it seems like every season, it doesn't matter where the Raiders end in the standings, they always have a tough schedule. schedule in the percentile yeah. comparing it to other teams and that's the reason why you look over to what the Chiefs are doing and the streak they have of making it to the AFC championship game you look over to the Chargers and where they have a promising quarterback you looked over with the Broncos and the dominant defenses they had and now they add Russell Wilson that means that six out of your 17 games this season are against squads that a lot of people are looking as potential AFC championship uh, playing teams so this division is hard, but guess what? The Raiders made it a more difficult one also for their opponents, and I can't wait for it to start, JT. Can it be September yet, please? Well, I, I No, I don't want it to be September. I want the summer to come. I want a couple of three-day weekends. I want to get to the beach. I want to get to practice. I want to relax, Harry. We, got, we, we just came off the draft. We got schedule release. I know you're going to be a couple of the workouts that are coming up. Great to see you, my friend, uh, Thursday at the – Cafe Americano remote, and I know you were busy. I was following you on social media. Thanks for doing this. We'll do it again next Monday. Of course, and next time bring up a Modelo for me, JJ. <laughs> yes, I will. Thank you. Uh, Modelos. I had a tough time with the Modelos. I couldn't drink them on Thursday. We had the Raiders draft party. So Thursday night, thanks again to Harry for joining us. And then Friday, the event at the M, they were just late nights. I'm a late night guy because I work late night. So I work late, so I like to stay up late. I like late-night parties. I like late-night. The Cosmopolitan, where I ran into a bunch of people, had some great live music. Everything was great. And I'm looking at the new odds to win the Super Bowl, and the Raiders are not getting any love on that. Uh, everybody is falling in love with the Chargers again. Uh, the Raiders, as I'm saying here at Caesars, plus 5,000, uh, plus 3,500, the number FanDuel, uh, DraftKings. Look, the Raiders are going to have an interesting time quieting down the noise. And I don't think Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels buy into this. But here we go again. Everybody's in love with Denver and the Chargers. Tell me I didn't get that right. Bunch of garbage where the media just all of a sudden tells you how great the Chargers are after every draft. They got a great young quarterback. I'll go with Derek Carr in a shootout with him. Russell Wilson will be with Denver. That makes Denver much better. I I got more. I don't have any fear for any team. But I have more concern about Denver with Russell Wilson. Justin Herbert's good. Patrick Mahomes' team, and they could get, they could also be good, but it's, this is not the best Kansas City team we've seen on paper because Tyreek Hill is gone. So I'll get to everybody. We're going to open up the phones here. They're always open, but we've had uh, two guests. Joe Lisi's going to join us here at the bottom of the hour, 702-365-9200. Get on in. When we come back, we'll go through more of the atmosphere, the party, and the fun of the draft in Vegas. It'll take a few days to come down from this. Did you get your draft gear? Some nice draft gear. And the Raiders have a bunch of new players. Follow them on social media. You go to Raiders.com, or if you follow the Raiders on social media, they'll tell you how to follow the new players. Wish them well. 
Wish them well. Be good to them as they're coming to Las Vegas to be members of the squad. I'll say downhill fast, powerful. Yeah, downhill fast, powerful, um, quick. Make guys miss um things, things I can improve on. Probably like um um transitioning to like a passer to like a running. So yes, so that type of stuff like that. All right, so White, the new running back coming in for the Raiders. We'll talk about the depth of that later on. Joe Lisi joins us nationally. Go for the two. All the great work he's doing at Sports Grid now. And he was just in Vegas. Joe, I'll tell you, you know I'm a Vegas guy, and you've been out in Vegas. We met out here. I thought it was a 10 out of 10, an incredible, incredible four-day party. How'd you see it while you were out here? Yeah, just, I mean, Vegas catered to the events, right? And, you know, there's been talk in terms of next year it's in Kansas City, JT, that it should be every year out in Las Vegas. I've never seen so many people, so many people involved in terms of the NFL draft, not just Raider jerseys. We saw Dolphin jerseys, Bill jerseys. The list goes on and on. I think it's great for the city, and it's it's great for the NFL. This is interesting to me because I, I look at throwing a party like that. I don't think you should do it every year because it'll get old. People will say, I've been there, done that, and then the numbers will start to dwindle. But if people are excited Joe, to come out here every three to five years, not only for the draft, but the Super Bowl in the new rotation. It should make all the owners happy, everyone around the league happy, as the revenue stream increases and public awareness for Vegas and all these other owners are able to experience that revenue going up. Oh, couldn't agree more, JT. That's what you want. You don't want it to be dull. And that's the one thing that Vegas brought this year is that not just the excitement, not just where they held the event in terms of day number two in front of the Bellagio. Everybody was involved, and, and it, not just, you know, the people directly involved. I'm talking on the outskirts, you know, the local businesses. They were excited for the NFL draft, catering to the, to the tourists, and I thought it was great, and I agree with you. You know, maybe, maybe not every year, but maybe every other year or every two or three years, that would be great couple in and sprinkled in with the the Super Bowl that would be a fantastic uh, double double uh, event for the city of Las Vegas Joe Lisi is our guest sports grid go for the two all right let's jump in I'm going to get out of the way and I want to set you up with a couple of teams or just get your overall analysis I had the Jets and Philadelphia with the number two uh, one and two drafts both a high a grades here Giants did well too with Neil and Thibodeau right out of the gate Give me a couple of big-picture teams that you thought did really well. Yeah, and I, I mean, I agree with you. In terms of getting Jordan Davis and Kobe Dean, I said it on air. Jordan Davis, to me, is going to be the defensive player two or three years out. That, that really is the name of this draft. On the offensive side of the ball, I think it is quarterback Matt Corral, a third-round selection. I actually thought Carolina did really well in terms of solidifying needs, right? They pick up Aquano, the big tackle from NC State. They follow that up with Amari Barno, the, the speedster in terms of the defensive end position, fastest defensive edge rusher in terms of the combine. I think he's definitely an upgrade. Cade Mays is a former Georgia uh, standout that transferred to Tennessee. He can add depth as well. So I really think Carolina solidified what they needed to do. To get Matt Corral in the third round, I had him rated as the top quarterback 
in this class. I think he's going to compete. I think he he could be potentially JT Rookie of the Year in terms of the Carolina Panthers. And as long as Christian McCaffrey can give this team at least 12 games under his belt, I think they they are a wild card contender and a five and a half win total. I think they can go over that. And mm-hmm. how about Detroit to get Jamison Williams and number 12 overall to trade up for that? was amazing. They get Aiden Hutchinson. I think they did a fantastic job, and they added a free agent draft pick uh, signing in terms of Khalil Pimpleton from Central Michigan. Everybody was talking about Sky Moore, the third uh, round selection. Khalil Pimpleton will be a playmaker in the league. He's a Tyree Kill type of player and a great pump returner, so keep an eye out for him. Joe Lisi, go for the two sports grid. All right, Joe, you covered Georgia football as good as anybody. 15 overall selections. They were flying off the board, especially the defensive players. Give me some big-picture analysis on all these Georgia players in one draft and how they're going to dominate the landscape of the NFL. They're all going to be playing on different teams. Some doubled up on their own team. I look at this, the big takeaway for me, it was the Georgia Bulldog draft. Yeah, it was. It's exactly what we saw a couple of years ago with Joe Burrow and the LSU Tigers, right? 15-0, and dominated Clemson. We had 14 players move on uh, to the next level, right? And then all of a sudden, it was a significant drop-off. I'll say this. Trayvon Walker deserved to be the top overall selection. I thought Jordan Davis could have been as well, believe it or not. I think he's that dominant. N'Kobe Dean did not deserve to drop into the third round. Just a Micah Parsons type of playmaker. I think the Philadelphia's defense is going to be completely transformed uh, with N'Kobe Dean there. Signed, the safety is a big hitter coming out of the secondary. And let's not forget the offense. You know, Zamir White, a very underrated running back, right, goes to the Las Vegas Raiders to spell Josh Jacobs. He's a between-the-tackles runner. James Cook is the Alvin Kamara of this draft underutilized. He's Dalvin's brother, but he could be utilized in terms of slot type of schemes and situations, mismatch on linebackers and nickelbacks. Great pass catcher. Buffalo Bills got a steal with James Cook. Joe Lisi, go for the two and at Sports Grid. Great gaming analysis. Also, a guy who knows the depth charts of all these teams here. Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett and Willis dropping. There are a lot of draft insiders who got that wrong. You are putting your name on the line with Corral. I love that there. But how many insiders got it wrong on Willis, and why did he drop so far? I saw some mocks that were wondering at six, and that supposedly he wasn't going to get past Pickett, or excuse me, Pickett 20. Once mm-hmm. Pickett was taken first, how did Willis drop all the way down into the 80s? You know, I think it's a two-fold type of situation. You look at Kenny Pickett, uh, JT, two years you know, prior to last year with Mark Whipple, 13 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Very pedestrian. He did take the next step in year two with Mark Whipple, over 40 touchdown passes. So, you know, he did have some weaknesses. But still, I thought out of both quarterbacks, Pickett and Willis, he was the most ready to, to win ball games right now. So Pittsburgh did take the right quarterback. Well, Malik Willis, I was never sold on him. And when I, I mean sold on him, you know, he deserved a third-round ranking. You know, he, you could put him in the same category as Kellen Mond, Last year with Minnesota, you know, this mm-hmm. is a kid that couldn't start at Auburn, couldn't beat out Bo Nix, couldn't beat out Jared Stidham when he was there, right? Transfers to Liberty, complete 61% of his passes against subpar competition. Three games stand out for me. A game on the line on the road is the Carrier Dome down 24-21. Uh, nationally televised game, Friday night, he loses that ball game. 
head-to-head against Matt Corral, doesn't score in the first half, 170 yards, three interceptions against the Ole Miss defense, and then against my good friend Terry Bowden on the road in UL Monroe, he, he's a 32-and-a-half-point favorite. He gets sacked four times and two interceptions. They lose the ball game outright. So tell me why that was a top-10 selection, coupled with the fact that I think teams in San Francisco overinflated Trey Lance last year, and look at him. He's still, right now, not the starter, week number one. Joe Lisi. Joe, a couple of trades, but the big non-trade was Baker Mayfield. What's your analysis on his current price tag, which I think there's value there for? You've got quarterbacks now that are getting $50 million, $35 million, high mid-30s, Baker's on the hook, what, for 18 or 19? Why do the teams that don't want him now are waiting? Why are they comfortable waiting for him to get cut down from Cleveland or looking for better value? What do you see there? Yeah, I think he's definitely a benefit. You know, and we talked on our show about, you know, a potential fit with Seattle, right? You know, we're running game now with Kenneth Walker and Rashad Penny. Do you have DK Metcalf? You're telling me that if you put or implement Baker Mayfield, in that offense with Seattle, he's not a significant upgrade over Drew Locke because I think he is. You know, love him or hate him, uh, at the end of the day, he did win a playoff game, and he's battle-tested. He's an experienced quarterback. Granted, I don't think he's a lead JT, but at the end of the day, he can make enough plays to win ball games, and that's all that matters, you know. And you go into a different landscape. I even thought that, you know, why not Houston? When you make that mm-hmm. trade with the, for Deshaun Watson, why not get Baker Mayfield there? He could be the face of the franchise. Played at Texas Tech, went to Oklahoma. You're playing in Houston. Why wouldn't you want to have Baker Mayfield in your organization there in terms of a potential rebuild when he has a lot of game left to him? I agree with you. Houston's a fit because he's from Texas. He played at Oklahoma. It gets him to compete against the Cowboys, even though they're in a different conference. And they got a player with a chip on his shoulder. Joe, with Baker Mayfield, the one thing you have to agree on, if you think there's a chance with him, is him getting embarrassed by what happened here for Deshaun Watson, for him trying to take the high road here and to start again. you got to buy into the competition that Baker's not only going to want to prove Cleveland wrong. Forget about Cleveland. They never win. They're the most underachieving franchise with the Lions in the history of the league, but he's going to be highly motivated to prove his critics wrong. And at the end of the day, you know, people can bash him uh, all they want. He came out of college with one of the highest completion percentages coming out of college. And at the end of the day, he's played in bigger ball games, right, than most quarterbacks that we see, you know, in terms of teams right now. So I agree. I think if you're looking or betting against Baker Mayfield, if he goes to an organization specifically that has a running game, which he had in Cleveland, and he could work off a of play action, I think he's going to win some ball games. Now, I don't think he'll be an all-pro, but at the end of the day, I think he can lead his team to a playoff appearance, and that's something better that Sam Darnold couldn't do in Carolina last year. Hey, Joe, finally, Joe Lisi, go for the two. Obviously, Sports Grid, the work you do on the gaming side of it. Is gambling on draft picks completely overrated considering the limits you can bet the gossip, the news coming in late. Was there value there as you were anchoring some of the uh, coverage here from Las Vegas? Was that something that there was a bigger handle than you expected, or is this something that's going to take years and years for it to grow into something bigger? I think it's going to take time, and it depends on the book, obviously. You know, certain markets here in New York and New Jersey, JT, are a little bit different and more, I want to say, complex than than some of the markets out in las vegas but i i think it's just a stepping stone you know we both have finance backgrounds 
I think it's going to replicate many markets, right? It doesn't matter whether you're trading stocks, commodities, or, or, you know, draft picks. At the end of the day, there's value. And this draft did provide, you know, certain value if you were able to pick off Trayvon Walker or certain positions for like a team Mm -hmm. like the Jets or Detroit Lions, respectively. Yeah, exactly. If you guessed right on something that was very exotic on a trade and a player being taken off the board. Joe, we'll connect soon. Looking forward to having you on often, as always. Thanks for your time. Anytime, JT. Love the show. Joe Lisi, fantastic guest. At Go For The Two, follow him on social media and at SportsGrid. Appreciate his time there. Look, if you're gambling, everybody we tried to talk about from a gambling perspective said, you know, Bill Krakenberger, America's favorite sports gambler, he says he kills this process. He loves it because he has better information. But there were nine trades. I mean, good luck guessing what the trade was going to look like and what player was going to be available at a certain time. Mostly when people gamble, they want to make sure they have an edge. It's tough to have an edge in the NFL draft because these teams might want to trade when they're on the clock. Right. So if you're a gambler and you're sitting in a sports book and you love a player to go number six or seven and then there's a trade, it blows up the entire process there. All right. We're going to wrap up the show coming up here. We've been talking about the party, how we're having such a good time in Vegas, giving Vegas the grade. I'm giving it a 10 out of 10. And I mean that. Uh, Why not a nine and a half? Because I thought it was better than I than I expected. It was better than I expected. From the weather, that windy day got interesting because we hosted the show from atop of Dre's. I didn't want to go back and listen to it, and the guests that we had were incredible, but it was howling, 35 miles an hour up there, and then the weather calmed down for the rest of the weekend. And I think the pools, the pool parties, listen, there's not going to be any pool parties at Marquee and Wet Republic, right, and Circus Stadium Swim in Kansas City. All right, so I, I miss the ocean. I miss the beach terribly. But when you're at a pool party in Vegas during a weekend like this past weekend, you don't care about the ocean views. You care about being in Vegas for a great party, and a lot of people are happy about that. Let's hear from you on the other side before we get out of here. 702-365-9200. I haven't mentioned the NBA, but Bobby's Boston Celtics got punched in the mouth. And we'll get to that sound coming up on the other side of the Warriors and how they were able to stop John Morant on that last play. That's coming up next. The flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio, and always streaming us on the Raiders mobile app. Working on that elbow. A couple sidesteps, throws the ball off the window to himself and slams it down with a two-hand dunk. That was a big boy play from a very big boy. Turn it up. I saw Weezer in concert. Didn't have great expectations. It was really good. I think they should have changed the name of the band years ago. That's just my opinion. Turn it up. They played right at the footprint of the draft. So 
So that was fun. I enjoyed that show and then walked out on the strip from Bellagio to Cosmopolitan and had a great time there. The draft here in Vegas, we're giving it a 10 out of 10. I don't care what the other people here in the media say. Many of them go to bed at 930 at night. Who cares about their opinion? Uh, Vegas knows how to throw a party. Let's get to the final call as Milwaukee just slapped around Boston. Boston didn't look like they were ready to play. And the Bucks will come away with the basketball and a suffocating game one win for the Bucks here today in round two of these NBA playoffs as the Bucks take down the Celtics 101 to 89. It was a sleeper hold they put on in the second half. Yeah, I thought that was very interesting what happened in that game because remember in the Celtics sweep of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, it was super physical. Durant was very uncomfortable. He was. He just wasn't playing well because of the physicality of Boston's defense. Well, the same thing happened with Tatum. Tatum, I don't think, didn't look like he was even in the game because of the game plan that slowed him down. I want to get to, before our next call, the Draymond Green ejection and how that could have changed it big time for the Warriors as they were in Memphis. Here's when Draymond got kicked out of the game. Draymond Green, I think, has been thrown out. Oh, my gosh. Draymond Green just jogged over to the tunnel yes. to get everybody fired up and then went back over to the fence. Steve Kerr is talking with James Williams. Wow. Here we go. Draymond Green has been ejected for the windup to the face, impact to the face, the follow through to the jersey, and the throw down to the ground. All right, so I got more sound to play there. There is breaking news. DeAndre Hopkins of the Arizona Cardinals has been suspended for the first six games upcoming season for violating the policy on performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, That's a big deal because the Raiders play the Cardinals this year. So if you're a Raider fan, that's a big deal because the Cardinals have, have loaded up with their offense there. It'd be nice to see the Cardinals in Allegiant Stadium without DeAndre Hopkins. So it is official, breaking news, the NFL has suspended DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games of this upcoming season. Big Al in San Francisco coming off the Warriors win and the Raider draft. How are you, Big Al? I'm good. I'm good. I hope you had a good weekend. It was a fun weekend to you know watch the draft and then get to watch some really good NBA basketball. You know, Boston, uh, that's one game. Let's see what they play again tomorrow. They'll be fine. Uh, the Warriors went into uh, Memphis and just stole one. I don't think anybody really quite expected that. Uh, John Morant did exactly what he felt he had to do. He became a volume shooter, shot 22 times in the paint. And by doing that, he didn't give his, unfortunately for him, but better for the Warriors, of course, didn't give his teammates an opportunity to excel around him. They played the very best game that they possibly could have, and they still ended up losing. Uh, Jaron Jackson is not going to shoot 10 for 18 and get 33 points again. Um, and Golden State's three guards were just were just fantastic in different ways. You know, Clay wasn't good on the offensive end until he hit that three when he needed to. He missed the two foul shots, of course. But his defense at the end of that game, uh, basically, you could you know, give him a game ball because that was just uh, that was just tremendous. And Jordan Poole coming off the bench played 37 minutes. And uh, they just they had no answer for his quickness and no answer for his skill. It was fun to watch uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Golden State can't walk out of there saying, well, we're going to get one of two and everything's going to be fine and we'll go home. This is a team, Memphis, that's they're, they're gritty. 
and they like to get after it. They don't care if that game is played in a bunch of potholes in some Las Vegas you know, schoolyard. They could care less. So don't think they're going to be intimidated by any loud noises you know, at uh, Chase Center. It's, yeah. Appreciate it, Big Al. Appreciate the call. Yep, thank you. We're up against the Big Al. Thank you. I, I watched that, not the entire game, but the fourth quarter was amazing in that game. Bobby, let's get to the Clay Thompson three for the lead. As Big Al just said, Clay wasn't completely locked in, but he caught this three in rhythm, and it was a huge shot. Poole throws to Thompson. Palm fake, takes a step, takes the jumper. Got it! Clay Thompson with a three. The Warriors lead by one, 117-116. That was huge, and Clay missed a couple of free throws down the stretch that gave John Morant an opportunity to win the game. But Clay came back defending him in the lane, making that layup with his left hand real difficult. Here's the final call. Bounce pass over to Morant. He'll drive in. Scoop is up. No good. Rebound. Wiggins. The Warriors win. The Warriors win. Memphis got the look they wanted, and Morant couldn't finish it. And Golden State captures game one with Draymond Green in the locker room. Tim Roy, so Draymond was in the locker room here for that game. Steve Kerr was asked about it again. That flagrant two, uh, because Draymond grabbed the jersey on the way down and they looked at it, they reviewed it. I thought it should have been a flagrant one. Here's Steve Kerr. Were you pretty stunned that it was a two instead of a one flagrant one? Yeah, I, I was surprised. Um, so, I was surprised. Yeah, he, he didn't want to get fined. So he didn't get he, he didn't want to get fined. So when Steve Kerr said that there is more breaking news, Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, according to Adam Schefter, has just agreed to turn with the Saints on a three year deal for thirty three million dollars. A reports are and double check 18 million of it guaranteed. So the Chiefs effectively replaced Tyron Matthew with safety Justin Reed, who spent his first four seasons with the Texans. So I thought that Honey Badger was in the price range for the Raiders to go after. So according to Schefter, New Orleans stepped up. They had him in the building. They had him in the building, and it's probably a good fit. New Orleans team is pretty good, and they'll be able to use him. And they had to wait. And New Orleans had to wait to clean up their cap situation, which was a mess for them, and they were able to do that. So that is breaking news on top of DeAndre Hopkins being suspended. You look at that. Uh, more from Adam Schefter. Deal is now in place. Tyron Matthew officially reached an agreement, $33 million, $18 million fully guaranteed. Language still needs to be finalized and the deal signed. But Matthew is returning home to New Orleans. And Arizona losing DeAndre Hopkins to a six-game suspension. It lost Christian Kirk to Jacksonville during free agent. Free agency, and it adds more insight into the Cardinals' draft day trade to go after Marquise Brown. That's a very good, important point there. So the Cardinals, we all have to agree, knew that the suspension was coming for DeAndre Hopkins, so they made the draft day trade for Marquise Brown. Wow, now you find out about this, according to Adam Schefter. It makes a little bit more sense. Thanks to Bobby for running the show, Joe Lisi, Harry Ruiz. So tomorrow I'm going to head to the facility and interview Dave Ziegler. He's been listening to my show a long time at night. Uh, It's the first time I'm going to be able to sit down with him live and in person from the Raider facility. And we'll have that interview for you tomorrow. I'll send out a tweet before the show with some questions from you, the fans, because hopefully we'll have them there for 10 or 15 minutes and we can dive deep into what they're doing, the process, and how the process worked in the draft. You know, you start with the third-round pick. I think they feel good about it because they got the best receiver in Devontae Adams. And there are a lot of good receivers. 
there were a run on the receivers quickly in the draft, but no one's even as close as Devontae Adams there. So when you add in the draft and the analysis of the draft, start with Devontae Adams. Second, go to Max Crosby and the contract extension. Third, go to Derek Carr and the contract extension. And then we get into the draft. All topics that we'll cover tomorrow. Raiderhead on the way out as they played at the Tropicana. And thanks to all our friends in the Raider Nation that we were able to see and supported us at the Dre's Remote and especially at Cafe Americano. I need a break badly. I'm on tonight, Sirius XM, new hours, 6 to 9 p.m., Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, as we get rolling. A lot of work in front of me here, but this is a fun time of year, and the Raider schedule release is going to be a big topic on the 12th. Have a great day, Q, with some aces talk today and draft recap along with Vinny Bonsignor.